You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, we're going to be in the book of Mark tonight, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter number 16. I always take pointers when I'm here at church just on what I want at our church, and I just can't wait to chuck candy at our church and Bible trivia and to mess up and fool around. I'm just, I'm pumped for that. All right, Mark chapter 16, we're going to read verses 1 through 7 to start, and um, I believe that this is a good message to look at in light of it being a couple days after Resurrection Sunday, and also because every day is the resurrection for you and I. We've got that power of the resurrection in our hearts, and um, I found it interesting when I was um, kind of researching on this sermon a little bit. So I was looking up resurrection sermons on Sermon Audio. And I found it interesting whenever you look up um, holiday sermons like Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ, you see a sermon on Sermon Audio basically all around that same time on Palm Sunday. Or the birth of Jesus Christ. Every sermon you see is right around Christmas time. But when I looked up the resurrection of Christ, there was sermons in October in April and February, because um, every day is resurrection for you and for me. And there are so many times and so many reasons to preach on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I found that encouraging. All right, Mark chapter 16, we'll read verses 1 through 7. Notice what the Bible says there. The Bible says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a white garment, and they were affrightened. And he saith unto them, Be not affrightened. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. Let's pray. Ardently, Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Uh, Man, I'm thankful that I get to preach here at my home church. It's been a couple months. I thank you for that. And uh, man, I just ask that you just move in a mighty way in the service, Lord. Um, Be with everybody here today. I'll answer all the prayer requests. And take away every ounce of selfishness, Lord, every ounce of me in this message. Help me hide behind the cross of Christ and preach, thus saith the Lord. And man, I love you, Lord. You're my best friend, my Savior, my King, my everything. Thank you for the hope of the resurrection. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to talk about that. And I believe the songwriter Robert Lowry said it best when he said these words. Up from the grave he arose, with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. I'm thankful that we can sing that song each and every week, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the truth that he died on the cross for you and for me. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and he rose again the third day so that we could be saved. It's an amazing truth that you and I have and that truth has changed the world and it's still impacting people today. It reminds me of a story about this family who went on a trip to the Holy Lands. Um, um, a son and a husband and a wife and the mother-in-law decided to tag along as well. And this mother-in-law really wasn't the nicest mother-in-law in the world. She wasn't nice like mine. Uh, she nagged a lot. She complained. And she didn't really care for um, her son-in-law all too much. And long story short, she ended up dying in the Holy Lands. 
and um, they were doing some funeral arrangements, and the son-in-law was in charge of that and uh, was talking to the undertaker. And the undertaker said, well, you've got two options. You can either send her to the United States, and it will cost you $5,000, or you can bury her here in the Holy Lands, and it will cost you $150. And the son-in-law thought for a second and said, you know what, we're going to ship her to the United States. And the undertaker said, well, why? I've given you a good deal. It's only $150 to bury her here. And he responded, well, a long, long time ago, there was a man that died here, and three days later, he rose again the third day. And I am not willing to take that chance. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is the resurrection is still impacting people today. That joke killed in Akron, man. I tell you, it really did. <laughs> But the empty tomb is still impacting people today. The empty tomb was the greatest discovery in human history. Of all the archaeological discoveries, of all of the scientific discoveries, of all of the various kinds of discoveries in world's history, there was never a discovery made with more impacts than the discovery of the empty tomb. You see, the empty tomb tells us that after the cross, there is hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, it gives hope for you and for me. And in Mark chapter 16, we see some kinds of hope that Jesus Christ offers. And we're going to look at that today, the hopes of Jesus Christ, and we'll break it down verse by verse. Number one, I want you to notice the hope for the grieving. There is hope for the grieving hearts today. The Bible tells us that as Mary Magdalene and the others came to the tomb that resurrection morning, they came with hurting hearts, grieving the death of Jesus Christ. We find out when we read the Gospels that Jesus meant everything to them. Jesus meant the worlds to them. I'm reminded of Mary Magdalene. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter number 8 that when Jesus met Mary, she was a woman demon-possessed. She was hopeless without God. And yet Jesus met her, healed her, casted out seven devils, and became her personal Savior. Amen. And from that time on, Mary was a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus meant everything to Mary. So with that in mind, can you imagine the grief and agony she went through as she saw her Savior hang there on the cross? She had to experience a lot of grief, a lot of tears, a lot of darkness watching her Savior, watching her hope hang there on Calvary's tree. And now we come here three days later, that first resurrection morning, and these individuals are still grieving Jesus Christ. They are coming to the tomb to apply spices to Jesus Christ, and they are grieving. They are hurting, but they come here confused. They see that the, the tomb or the rock is rolled away and the tomb is empty. And they're still grieving in this moment. But notice what the Bible says in verse number 5 and 6. The Bible says, And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a white garment, and they were affrightened. And he saith unto them, Be not affrightened. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Going into that experience, they experienced grief. But in that moment, the Bible says in Luke 24, 8, that they remembered the words of Jesus Christ. Amen. They remember that Jesus Christ said, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again three days later. And in that moment, those individuals went from feeling hopelessness to hope. Amen. They went from feeling grief to glory. Amen. The resurrection brings hope for you and for me today. And there's hope for the grieving hearts. It turns tear into triumph. It turns darkness into light. It turns hopelessness into hopefulness. And that's what they experienced 
that day. Hope for the grieving hearts. And that's the same way with us. If we're grieving today, if we're down, if we're wounded, man, there's hope for you and for me. I can't tell you how many times I've been depressed. I've been down. I've been hurting. And just thinking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ has lifted up my spirits. And it's given me joy. It's given me peace. It's given me so much happiness just knowing that Jesus Christ died for me. There's hope for the grieving hearts today. And that's what we find out. But not only that, we also see that there is hope for the guilty. There's hope for the guilty heart. Look at verse number seven. Notice what the angel says there. The angel says, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. He says, go your way, tell his disciples and Peter. Now, why did the angel include Peter there? Peter was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He could have just said, go tell the disciples, and Peter probably would have been involved. Why did he say, and Peter? Well, because at this time, Peter was guilty and ashamed. He deserted Jesus Christ. A few days earlier, Jesus said that um, Peter would deny him three times. He said, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. You'll deny me thrice. And you want to know what Peter said? Peter said, no, no. If everyone else gets offended, I won't get offended, Lord. I'm not going to do it. But we find out it happened just like Jesus said. We find out that Peter was a distant disciple after the betrayal of Jesus Christ. Once Jesus Christ was betrayed, we find out that Peter wasn't following at the forefront. No, he followed afar off, the Bible says. When they took Jesus into the the high priest's house to bring him onto trial, Peter followed afar off. And we find out in the book of John that John the Beloved is saying, let's go closer. Let's go further. But Peter said, no, I want to stand back. He was a distant disciple. Now, he followed, yes, but he followed afar off. He went into the outer courts. He got his hands warmed by the fire with some other individuals while Jesus Christ was on trial in the high priest's house. He was a distant disciple. But not only that, we also find out he was a denying disciple. As he's sitting there in the outer courts getting his hand warm, a young maid recognizes him, and he says, aren't, she says, aren't you a follower of Jesus Christ? You're a follower of Jesus Christ, right? And he says, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. A little while goes, a man recognizes him, and he says, aren't you a follower of Christ? You're a disciple of Christ, right? And he says, no, I'm not. I'm not. And an hour goes past. He's still there. He's still waiting. An hour goes past, and another man recognizes him, and he says, you're a Galilean. You're a follower of Christ. And by this time, Peter's mad and angry, and he curses, the Bible says. And he says, I am not a follower of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in that moment, in Luke twenty-two sixty-one, that Jesus turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus Christ, that he would deny him three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly, the Bible said. He was a denying disciple. But also, we also see he was a devastated disciple. He wept bitterly at what occurred, him denying him three times. Now, can you imagine the look on his face when he saw Jesus Christ and remembered his words? When he saw the eyes of his Savior, the eyes of love looking at him, and he denied him three times. Man, he had to have been devastated. He had to have been ashamed and guilty. He probably hated himself. He probably went, I've screwed up again. There goes Simon screwing up again. I've messed up. I've given up. He probably hated himself. And honestly, we find out he lost hope. He lost hope in that moment. We know that to be true because Peter went back to fishing. He left his new life and went to his old life, and he went back to be a fisherman. He lost hope in that moment. But you see, (laughs) the story doesn't end there. 
You see, Jesus Christ did die. He was betrayed. He was buried, but then praise the Lord. Three days later, he rose again the third day. And because of that truth, it brought newness of life to Peter, and it brings newness to life to every single one of us. Because the resurrection makes it possible to break free from your past through the repentance of Jesus Christ. You see, that's why the angel was able to say, tell his disciples and Peter. The resurrection gave Peter hope. He went on to do amazing things for God because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, the once guilty Peter was now forgiven because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, Peter went from feeling fearful to fearless. He went from being a coward to a conqueror. He went from being hopeless to hopeful. That's what the resurrection does. He used pathetic Peter to build his church and to feed his sheep. And I'm here to tell you, man, there is hope for the guilty today. Man, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, I'm so thankful for that fact. I am so thankful that there is hope for the guilty today. There's been so many times in my life where I've fallen short of the glory of God. I've sinned in front of a holy holy, holy God. And I feel like I, I got to throw in the towel. I feel like I can't go on anymore. I feel like Jesus can't use me. But every single time he picks me up, he dusts me off and he points to the cross at Calvary and he points to that empty tomb. And he says, because of that, you have hope. There is hope for the guilty today. There is hope for the grieving hearts. But not only that, number three, we see that there is hope for the generations to come. You see, the hope of the resurrection wasn't just for his friends. It wasn't just for his disciples or the people in Bible times. No, it was for everybody. It was for everyone. Look at verse number 15 in Mark 16. Now, this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the last commands that he gives his disciples. It's known as the Great Commission. Notice what the Bible says there. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the worlds and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus is saying, I don't want you just to give this hope, the good news to the Jews to the Greeks. I want you to give it to every single individual to the generations to come. I want them to experience the death, burial, and resurrection, the hope of Jesus Christ. There is hope for the resurrection. There is hope for the generations to come because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him as your personal savior, I'm telling you, your life has hope. Your life has meaning. And so, for a little bit today, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at five ways the resurrection gives us hope. If you put your trust in Christ, you've got hope in five ways. Number one, because of the resurrection, I am no longer afraid to die. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he broke the power of death and the power of the fear of death. Now, the fear of death is a universal thing. Every single, pe every single person uh, struggles with that from time to time throughout history. We see that to be true, the fear of death. The first century Jewish philosopher Philo wrote that nothing is so calculated to enslave the mind as fearing death. Man, fearing death, it enslaves your minds. Hebrews points to that fact saying those who fear death are subject to a lifetime of bondage. It's a common thing to fear death. People struggle with that. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again the third day, he gave us the victory over death once and for all. You see, the prince of death has been defeated. Satan has been defeated because of Jesus Christ's death at Calvary. That's what the Bible says. Hebrews 2.14, the Bible says that through death, Jesus might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, 
the devil. Jesus used the death of the cross to deliver us from the fear of death. It's an amazing thing. We no longer have to fear death because Jesus Christ conquered it. He died, yes, but he rose again the third day, and therefore we have the victory. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, that death is swallowed up in victory. I don't have to fear death. I have hope. I'm no longer afraid to die because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It reminds me of a story about D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was um, on a ship traveling one night on, in one of the Great Lakes when a really bad storm develops. The other passengers on the boat were cowered in fear. They actually got together and did an impromptu prayer meeting. And during that prayer meeting, the great preacher, D.L. Moody, just stayed there. He wasn't praying. He was just sitting there calm as could be. And when they asked him, why aren't you praying? Why aren't you joining this prayer meeting? He responded with this. He said, I have a sister in Chicago and one in heaven, and I don't care which one I see tonight. You see, he didn't care. He was no longer afraid to die because of the hope of the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings you and I hope. The Bible says in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Hey. Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hey, the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives me hope, and I'm no longer afraid to die Amen. because of that. That's number one. But then number two, we also see that um, I've got hope of the resurrection because my loving father will never abandon me. My loving Father will never abandon me. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God, and God will never abandon his children. Yes, Hebrews 13, 5, the Bible says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. Now, that's an encouraging thought, Amen. right? That gives me hope that God will never leave me. But to make that possible, God did have to forsake one of his children, yeah. his son, Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus Christ hung there on the cross and when he bore our sin, God the Father had to turn his back on the Son. He couldn't lay his eyes on sin. That's one of the reasons why as Jesus Christ hung there on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He forsook Christ that day so he would never have to forsake us. You see, Jesus Christ died, rose again so we could be saved, and so that we could never be abandoned by God. You see, this is a hope that we can cling to, amen? 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You and I, we have this lively hope that we can cling to. The fact that we have eternal security in Jesus Christ. I cannot lose my salvation because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross at Calvary. Thank the Lord for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My God, my loving Father will never abandon me. That's number two. But then number three, the third reason why the resurrection gives me hope is Jesus in me is greater than any other power. You see, the Bible says, greater is he that is in me yes, than he that is in the world. Amen. If you're saved, if you have God's spirit inside of you, you have his power in you. Yes, Acts 1.8, the Bible says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Amen. Amen. We've got the power of Jesus Christ in our hearts. And the Bible says that the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that works in you and me. How amazing is that? We've got the power of Christ 
in our life. The Apostle Paul found hope in that truth. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, while he was in prison, chained to a Roman guard, he clung to the, the truth of the power of the resurrection. And he said in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. His number one desire was to know Jesus Christ more and to experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I found it interesting. I looked up that word power in the Greek there, and it's the word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite from. So this is saying the dynamites of the resurrection, the explosion, the power of the resurrection. That's what works in us today. Now you can say, Michael, that sounds really cool, but what does that mean to me? The power of the resurrection. What does that mean to me personally? Well, if God's spirit can raise a dead Jesus, he can raise a dead marriage. If God's spirits can raise a dead person, he can raise a dead career. If God's spirit can raise a dead man, then he can raise a dead dream. It means that he can do anything in your life. That's the power of the resurrection. It's the power to break free from your past. It's the power to forget the past and look forward to your future. It's the power to start over. It's the power to keep going when you feel like giving up. It's the power to overcome anything that comes your way. You see, that power is available to you, and that power gives you hope. Amen? The resurrection of Jesus Christ causes me to hope in the fact that Jesus is in me, and he's greater than any other power. That's number three. But then number four, the fourth reason why the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives me hope is um, I can now trust every single promise of God. I can trust every single promise of God because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, if God can promise that he's going to die and rise again the third day and do just as he said he would, we can believe the rest of the promises of God. Every single one of them. If that promise wasn't too hard for him, then no promise will ever be too hard for him. And there are promises in this book with your name on it that you can cling to. Did you know that there are over 7,000 promises with your name on it? 7,000 promises that you're supposed to search out and claim as your own. We got to read it. We got to take it in, man, and claim the promises of God. The Bible says he's able to keep us from falling. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We've got the victory in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Those are all promises that we can cling to, and they will give me hope in this world today. Now, knowing and claiming the promises of God bring us hope. The Bible even says that. Psalm 119.14, the Bible says, Thou art my hiding place in my shields. I hope in thy word. Now, we find hope in the promises of God. We find hope when we read this book. And the reason why is oftentimes we think contrary to the Bible. The way we think is different from the truths of the Bible. And when we read the Bible, it helps us along the way. You see, a lot of times we say it's impossible, but God says all things are possible with me. We say, I can't do it, but God says, you can do all things through me. We say, I'm too tired. God says, I will give you rest. We say, I can't go on. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. We say, I can't figure things out. God says, I will direct your steps. We say, I'm not able. God says, I am able. We say, I'm afraid. God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear. And we say, I'm not smart enough. But praise God, God says, I'll give you wisdom. Amen. You see, we find hope in reading the word of God. We can lay hold of the promises of God, and it will give us hope in this world today. That's number four. And then number five, and I'm done. 
The resurrection gives me hope because this is not the end of the story. You see, just like the death of Jesus Christ wasn't the end of the story, his resurrection also isn't the end of the story. You see, he is coming again for his children, amen? And that brings me hope. And the Bible says it's a blessed hope. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, he's coming again, and we can hope in that. There's going to be some times this world gets tough. This world gets terrible. The negative media, the, the awful situations, the terrible sin. But praise God, this just points to the fact that he is coming again, and I can find hope in that today. Amen.